Grind Forever, the PNB bi-weekly RPG discussion show. I am your host, uh, the normiest Norman, Dylan Tierney. No, that doesn't work. I'm not, I got challenged on, on, on Facebook to make a normal team, and I think I did a good job without choosing fucking Regigigas and Arsus. So, uh, I am Dylan Tierney, your host for this evening, and I am joined by Super, well, yeah, you'll be a, you know what? You're designated super patron. You've been a patron long enough. <laughs> this episode's been a long time coming. Uh, Mr. Bibbs, say hello. Hello, uh, resident poke expert here. <laughs> you, you are, we have called you uh, Bibbs Aparez or, or <laughs> uh, was it a Bulba something? You are a walking, talking Bulbapedia for a lot of stuff. Uh, so I knew one of these days we I'd have to get you on for a Pokemon episode. And, you know, we've got through, I think, three other gens, so this one was just perfect, you know? Like, we, I know your Gen 3 nostalgia runs deep, and I know mine does too, so here <laughs> we are. Yeah, for sure. It's fun, because I, uh, I do a lot of research for some games I'm not as familiar with, um, like when I did Witcher 3 with Marco, or when I do, like, Dragon Age. Like, oh, I don't know shit about shit. <laughs> uh, but I didn't do, I, I literally came back from a movie, uh, and got on and started uh, talking to Bibbs. So I, that I, Gen 3 is something that's so kind of ingrained to me as a kid and, you know, through the remakes and through playing over, like, through Emerald kind of being just, like, the easiest first choice pick for a Pokemon game for, like, anybody, uh, I got quite a bit on Ruby and Sapphire and Emerald. Which, I, I guess we'll try and limit this to just Ruby and Sapphire. It's hard to say, because... I feel like we could talk about stuff in Emerald, but it'll be mainly a Ruby Sapphire episode. So, yeah, and I'm sure the remakes will also come up at some point, but I'll I'll try to keep it to the first. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll probably go surface level with that because uh, I think we'll do episodes for remakes. We did Fire Red Leaf Green, so yeah. But uh, Ruby and Sapphire, if I'm not mistaken, was supposed supposed to be sort of a uh, soft reboot for the franchise uh, because of its uh, GBA hardware right yeah uh so they obviously the first gen was on game boy game boy yes game boy and uh golden silver were also on game boy but then crystal made the move to game boy color right and uh but now there was this much larger uh sort of graphics capability and power gap between the game boy and game boy color versus the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, so yeah. They were I'm... going into this pretty much saying, oh, we have so much more available to us here. We can really do a lot in improving the presentation, improving how things run, improving the look, the feel, the sound. Right. Uh, yeah, so they, they did their best, and I think, honestly, they, they, they hit a good mark with this setting and this uh, style. Oh, yeah, it's, it's very... Very stylized on a uh, sort of oceanic front. Um, Hoenn is definitely like until you got to Alola was uh, 
probably the, the de facto tropical locations for a lot of Pokemon stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they having the GBA palette to kind of work with was uh, pretty awesome in that regard. I know um, when it comes to talking about the gap between Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance, um, that is why you know Masuda Junichi Masuda. Uh, yeah. That is why it seems like it's, it's not just a decree from him, but probably a lot of the Pokemon team of like having every generation, even if it takes forever and a half nowadays, having every generation kind of talk to each other and uh, have them. You, you're able to transfer your Pokemon from the beginning. Uh, they had to restart with Gen three, and <laughs> Masuda and Co is just like never again. Your 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 level one hundred Swampert is gonna live forever, pretty much. Your grandchildren are gonna inherit these Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, they're, not, they're, I'm not even conjecture. That's like that's what he wants to happen. Yeah, I remember, I remember reading a ton of interviews where they've said like their biggest regret with the series is not being able to have the connectivity between Gen two and Gen, Gen three. Right, which is Out why of everything. Right. Yeah, which is why they've worked so hard to keep it going. And now with Pokemon Bank, it's literally like every Pokemon will live in the cloud. And then that cloud should be able to connect to everywhere, which I am still waiting for the day for that hat to drop and my all of my collection is deleted. But oh God. so far it's been working great and hopefully I can keep my things with me. And yeah, that, would, that would be so sad. That would be like Sony PlayStation, like PS3 hack, uh, PSN outage levels of apologizing if, P- if Pokemon Bank were somehow to be wiped. It would be more than that. I have 700,000 hours of my life <laughs> banked in that thing. I, if, if, if They would need to give me a gold-plated like Switch with Pokemon Bank and all my old Pokemon back in it. God, I, I, I imagine that just if there's like server room or maintenance storage facilities for that, that like it's, it's in a magnetoplastic prison so no <laughs> interference can fucking like short out the, the metallic like servers or whatever. Like... He, you're not allowed in. You have magnets on you. Yeah, that better be Fort, the Fort Knox of Pokemon. <laughs> um, but yeah, that all that sort of rejuvenation of the continuity of Pokemon had to be restarted in Gen three because it was such a uh, such a vast uh, upgrade from Gold and Silver and you know the old Game Boy games. You know you can't get Iwata can work miracles, but he can't you know like, do the equivalent of resurrecting the dead. I guess exactly. Yeah. Um, and with the GBA uh, came a lot of different, you know, they had more sounds to work with for uh, not just music, which we'll probably get into, but just different Pokemon cries starting to sound more distinct and not just like, you know, 8-bit electronic warbly garbly that we had for Gen <laughs> 1 and 2. Great sprite yeah. work too. Like the, the GBA, oh. I think, added a lot to what Pokemon style would eventually kind of settle into. Yeah, they... the. I think the biggest improvement was just like the color palette they had. Uh, Hoenn, Hoenn and the Pokemon are just so bright mm-hmm. and like they all have distinctive sort of colors. Like Kecleon has that like red stripe and like Beautifly has like yellow, red, and blue kind of strewn about. Yeah, it's it's a lot more striking in the mm-hmm. color department, which uh, definitely went on in future Pokemon designs. They oh, kept that sure. going. And great, great environments too. Like. Even uh, there is a lot of ocean. Trust me, there's a lot of ocean in <sighs> Hoenn. Uh, you might say that you know, seven point eight out of ten people would agree. But uh, <laughs> there's there's quite a bit, and I think it still services pretty well. Uh, like as aesthetically, I like it. It's it's supposed to be a tropical island, more area. Like, am I wrong in thinking that of Hoenn, or is that am I like it is trying to be more tropical, right? 
Oh yeah, totally. It's a hundred percent a tropical uh, region. Not in, necessarily uh, as Hawaii as Alola is. You know, that's obviously all like pretty much mostly beaches and stuff like that. But like, it's a seaside, like a coastal uh, region. Yeah. So it's kind of and meant to be like that. I feel like the fact that it's an island also was sort of a in-game justification for the fact that you couldn't connect to the older stuff. Right. They're like. When I was a kid, when I got Ruby and Sapphire, I was like, oh, when I get to the end of the game, I'm going to be able to go back to Johto like I could oh, God. go back to Kanto in, a, in a, a Gen 2. But that was a certainly a disappointment. Yeah. But, I mean, as time has gone on, I get why it happened, and I get why it hasn't happened since. But also, I still, at one point, let us go back to an older region, please. <laughs> yeah, at some point. At some point, I, I would... Everybody's going to be... Gonna be pining for that every region Pokemon game till the end of time, I think. Mm. But uh, it was kind of hard to see Hoenn have to just start from scratch in a lot of ways. Um, but in terms of just uh, narrative, you know, I know Pokemon games have a pretty rudimentary narrative up until, like, Gen 5 or Gen 4 if you want to get too, like, interdimensionally contextual <laughs> with fucking Cyrus. Um, but... Uh, your dad's a gym leader, and you've moved from a... Was it Kanto? Did he move from Kanto? Uh, Johto, I think you're from Kanto. Okay, because everybody seems to move from those two regions in particular. <laughs> but, uh, your protagonist has come from the land of Johto, and your dad is the uh, neighboring city's gym leader. The Viridian City gym leader equivalent, I guess. Like The, the big city that's closest to you. Yeah, the, the first town you one. go through that has a gym that you can't fight yet. That you can't fight because your dad's like, grow up, kid. Fuck you. <laughs> get, a, get him a chop and then we can talk. Get a job and then I'll fight you. <laughs> you can't fight me until you start paying rent. <laughs> um, but I thought that was a cool dynamic. And even from the first, like, ten seconds, it's just like, your, your mom's calling you and you're like, oh, your dad's on the TV. You come down, and that was Norman, everybody. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, that Norman, he's never home. <laughs> he's never home, I miss him. It's been four it's been fourteen years. It's been fourteen years and I know he's only, I think, relative to scale, a, a fucking fifth of a mile away, but uh, <laughs> it just paints an interesting dynamic that uh your dad, you know, you like your father is the gym is a gym leader. And not just like your first gym leader, you know. He's like at the halfway point. Yeah, and he yeah. is a tough fight. So Oh yeah, you fighting types or not, he's going to be pretty tough for you. Yeah, if you if as a kid you don't know what a slacking is or does, so you don't know like, oh, if I go in there with a Pelipper with protect, I'll be fine. You go in there and you get bodied and you and get then, bodied yeah, and you get say, bodied. Then he like <laughs> crushes. He essentially throws your Pelipper at the at the uh gym wall and your dad's just like, <laughs> you should have seen that one coming, kid. <laughs> Have you not seen any of my Pokemon over all these years? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Norman was very tough. Every every game seems to have that huge wall of a uh, a gym encounter, um, and I think Norman was definitely it for for Gen three. Also because it kind of the, the plot just rolls right from gym, uh, the fourth gym to the fifth gym. There's like no there's like no uh, Team Magma Aqua shenanigans from what I can remember. Like, you just sort of slide right into that fight, and he's seven levels higher. Yep. It's pretty, pretty tough. But, um, back to the sort of, uh, aquatic nature of Hoenn. You know, very quickly, by the time you get to, like, Dufort Town, you start realizing, like, man, this place is just, like, a lot of water. Um, yeah. 
some somewhat to its detriment, somewhat to its uh, benefit. I I still really like the overall aesthetic of of Hoenn, and you were talking about it earlier too. Just like the GBA color palette, doing it very, very well in like two thousand three. Like you gotta realize this game came out in two thousand two in Japan. This is you know two years after Pokemon Crystal. Like yeah. it's it's a crazy leap. I'd say like equally crazy, or at least comparably crazy, to the leap of. Uh, Gen 5 and Gen 6, you know, like, just kind of starting from scratch hardware-wise. Yeah, for sure. It was, like, I do remember as a kid just being impressed with how it looked, like, mm-hmm. like, because the only idea at that point we had of Pokemon games is Game Boy. Right. And I, I'd, at that point I had played Game Boy Advance games, so I knew, like, it looked better, mm-hmm. but, like, Pokemon was this thing that was like, oh... I, I know what it looks like. I know what to expect. And then I play it. And I'm like, oh my, like the oh, opening, the opening, the yeah. opening when the water droplet falls yeah. and just like the, duh, 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 just that, the, the music that pulls it up. And then it like goes into that big shot of like the field in the sky. Lat- Latias yeah. like soars through and you're just like, oh shit. And then you're biking with like Flygon and yeah, like all these that, Pokemon you haven't seen before. That stuff was, that was revolutionary it was a cutscene my... pokemon game like <laughs> i know Cry- crystal kind of had like stills you know like uh of, of like a, a ape sprite suicune sort of like messing around with the unknown um yeah. but like this is a full-fledged kind of uh, kind of deal it was pretty great yeah it was an opening cinematic what <laughs> like <laughs> how'd that happen now i gotta ask every pokemon episode and I, I feel like I don't have to ask you, but for for the listeners' sake, who was your first starter in uh, Ruby and Sapphire? It was definitely Mudkip. Yep, there it is. Yeah, like I, I, you know what? I don't know if he's my first, but he's definitely the one that I've played the game through the Just most synonymous with. with yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Mudkip. For listeners who don't know me, is my favorite starter, and Swampert's my favorite Pokemon. Period. So, which is you know. A lot, considering how many Pokemon games you played, how you're the, you know, Pokepares. Yeah. Yeah, but just Mudkip, as I grew up, I realized, like, Mudkip is easy mode. Like, Swampert just can... You can solo the game with Swampert if you, like, <laughs> do it right. Like He's very but, uh, tanky, and you're not going to run into a lot of grass types, really. Yeah, he's tanky. He has one weakness. He gets Earthquake. He gets Surf and Die. I'd say, and yeah, Surf and Earthquake kind of just did it for the most part for me. Like, I... I played, um, I think Emerald was when I first started playing with uh, Swampert. My first first, uh, regrettably, was Torchic. And I <laughs> love Torchic. I love Blaziken a lot. Great Pokemon. Not the best region for them to really hit their stride. Uh, no. Not, not in a long shot. I think I did a second playthrough when I either lost the game or had like a reset data. And I chose Trico. And I'm like, alright, this. Now this is easy mode. Uh, yeah. Trico <laughs> was really good in Gen 3. Like, Trico would just go around, like, you know, Frieza holding his arms, like, crossed <laughs> and really just using his feet the whole time. Like, not really having having to, to flex all that much. But yeah. um, I like Trico. I, I think the Gen 3 starters overall, like, if you just have it, you know, each one, probably the best starters, uh, probably since Gen 1 at least, you know? Like, yeah, if, I had, I... if I had to rank all the starters from, from, their, pre- from their baby forms to their full evolutions, like... They're pretty solid overall. Yeah, I honestly think the Gen 3... The Gen 3 starters, like, themselves, I think are probably the strongest set just together. And then I think the whole lines, they're easily, like, 
also up there, like number one, number two. For sure. And Just, I think I think nostalgia might play too heavily to Gen One for me, but those are also great designs overall. No, yeah, so, it's hard to knock those ones. They're like right. they're simple, but they literally like they're the touchstone for all starters after them. Uh, yeah, so. Pretty much, yeah. Like every everybody's kind of in the shadow of those specific Pokemon, but. Uh, Gen 3 definitely brought the heat when it came to starter designs. I really like Blaziken. I really like Septile. Or, yeah, it was Septile. And I really like Swampert, you know? Mm. Even Marshtop, I'm like, okay, you're like a, you're like a dorky <laughs> teenager Pokemon. I'm into this. Like, Combus- yeah. Combuskin has, like, chicken legs for legs. Like, <laughs> I, looks like you're going to eat it at a Renaissance fair, you know? And Extra just spicy. to get it out there, he has a certain shape, shape about him without his legs and arms. <laughs> <laughs> of course he does, yes. <laughs> um, although Grovile kind of just looks like baby Septile, so I guess it's not that straight. He has like a weird pompadour hair. Like... Yeah, Grovile definitely looks most like a teenager here. <laughs> he, he's the most to like have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth behind a convenience store. Exactly, just trying to just trying to like score five bucks selling cigarettes next to <laughs> fucking CVS. Um, yeah. So my my first first was Torchic. I just I think it was because the anime had Blaziken and like a. A stupid fucking Johto tournament arc. Oh right! And it's just like oh. every 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 generation they had this, where a new generation Pokemon would show up and be the hottest shit in the world. You know, Togepi was that uh, way before I think even any tournament arcs were happening. But you had Togepi, you had uh, Blaziken, you had Electivire because Gary had an Electivire in like 2006 or something, and I'm like the hell is that <laughs> oh this is gonna be for the new games and i'm sure i at, by gen 5 i wasn't watching the anime so i, I don't really yeah. know but like, I, I didn't either <laughs> who, who was the gen 5 tease was it uh it was zora probably, i think it was zora and zora probably yeah yeah they had, uh, i think they had a movie before those games even came out yeah i know gen 6 was a heliolisk Oh, or, no, or, or Helioptile. Which one's the smaller one? Helioptile, I think. Yeah, so yeah. it was Helioptile with uh, Alexa. Yeah. Oh, Alexa, the, right. The, the photographer. Or no, no, the, her, the photographer of Viola's sister, the reporter. Right. Yes. Yeah, so every everyone had those uh, sort of uh, teases, and that's why I wanted Blazekid, because I'm like, oh, right, he's like, a, he's like a martial artist type, you know, using his legs a lot, like a lot of cool mm. kicks and stuff. Blaze Kick is a really cool move, even still. Um, but God, does he just not get completely bodied in every other front by uh, a S- Swampert, especially? Like I'll go back and say Swampert's like cream of the crop of that one. Like he just looks awesome. I love like just how much of a brute he is. How fucking just he just steamrolls everybody. Yeah, he was I- he was fun. <laughs> Um, but as we kind of get through uh, the story, this is the first time you you have a bit of a, a pupil and understudy instead of a, like your rival is kind of somebody meek and uh, sort of just starting out with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, with oh god, what's his name? Fuck. Wally. Well, of course. Why am I asking? Wally. <laughs> Wally catches a Ralts and so begins. Uh, so begins the uh, epic journey between you and this kid with a Ralts that you keep beating the shit out of <laughs> over and over again, and he just like. I'll beat you someday, senpai. And then he shows up in Victory Road with like a full team that actually is pretty good. <laughs> and then, yeah, I was about to say, he shows up right before the end of your journey. After you've gone through the Victory Road and no one's gotten your shit kicked in, uh, mm. you're just like, guess what, fucker? <laughs> guess what, fucker? You're weak and I got a Magneton and a suck, Delcaddy. <laughs> suck Gardevoir, bitch. <laughs> or was it, wasn't it? was it still? Uh, no, I'm thinking of 
some game where your rivals oh god it was Brendan and May they're, they didn't even get a final oh, evolution yeah. for their starters. They yeah. the last time you fight them, they're still like Grovile and Combuskin. Yeah, the last time you fight them is in Lily Cove, which is when at that point you'd probably have a fully evolved starter. Exactly. But they didn't throw that bone to Brendan and May. They didn't fix it until the remakes. God. Uh, but uh, speaking of Brendan and May, the so I guess to get into the fact that this is also the first game with multiple rivals, where mm-hmm. you have. You have your neighbor, who's either Brendan or May, depending on p- if you pick the boy or the girl, it'd be the opposite one. Right. Uh, they're the kid of the professor in the town, and their whole thing is that they're helping their dad do research, so they're kind of on the same Pokedex journey as you are, so they're going to go through, and you're going to encounter them on the way as they're helping exactly, their dad. Exactly, exactly. They're more adjacent to your journey than direct rivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also the first time we have friendly rivals, where, like, Silver and Blue were huge assholes <laughs> the whole time like blue blue was just sort of like a douchebag he was full of himself and silver was actually a bad guy for he was a bad guy like, thug dude for most of it yeah uh but this time it's like hey friend you want to have a cool battle i want to help my dad and oh you're mr norman's son or daughter, say, yeah and I, yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna be better than you i got my ralts and we're gonna we're gonna save the world or our our world i guess you're actually gonna save the world you're actually gonna save the world i'm just gonna <laughs> try and beat you up at your weakest at your most <laughs> you're most vulnerable i'm the hero of my story <laughs> <laughs> um god and uh in i remember it was uh God, what was this vic- something about this victory road really stuck out to me i guess it was just the theme it's very catchy. Oh, yeah. It's the one that I see remixed the most, like in Smash Brothers and stuff. Yeah. God, it's uh, it. That victory road is pretty, pretty great. And yeah. oh, wasn't it? You could catch um, uh, not Salamence, but the pre-evolution um, Shelgon. No. Shelgon. Ba- Bagon. But young, uh, ba- young Bagon coming to Bagon. CBS. Um, <laughs> you, but, catch, uh, ba- you catch Bagons there, and I always wanted the Salamence. Salamence looked fucking awesome. Yeah, you can catch. It's not in Victory Road. Here's the. Pokeparas. It's in uh, the waterfall cave, the the place where you help the professor, the science scientist. Oh, that's the one in the remake where Zinnia hangs out, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget the name of that cave. Cave but, uh, of Dragons. I don't. It may as well be. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> where there's one room in that cave where after you get Surf, you can go get Bagon. Right. Or it, it might even be after you get the last badges when it starts spawning. But I remember because I. Salamence, I have a team in Gen 3 that I always use, and Salamence is on that team. So he'd be the last Pokemon on that team every time. He'll be the last chance sweeper. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it would t- I, I, I'd usually beat the Elite Four with him still as a shell gun because <laughs> he evolves <laughs> he so late. He's like level 55. Yeah. It's so late in the game. And I think, I, I'm pretty sure later, Garchomp did the same thing. For some reason, I find Garchomp and Salamence rivals because they seem to fit similar power structures of dragons where you're just like the the, the hulking brute attack guy, you yeah. know? Like, And Garchomp had Dragon Rush, so he kind of wins that fight by default, I guess. Mm. <laughs> he, he invent, he, it, fe- it feels like Garchomp's signature move, basically, is, yeah. is Dragon Rush. And a bunch of other dragons aren't it, but like, oh. Garchomp also hell a Pokemon. Save it for the Gen 4 episode, though. Because <laughs> in Gen 3, Salamence pretty pretty awesome oh yeah um I'm trying to think of other like mvp pokemon like did you have any other hu- i i love the absurdity of ludicolo i think it's <laughs> actually a fun design and i think grass grass water is a pretty cool typage yeah i love ludicolo i had uh i'm pretty sure 
Was C dot? No, C dot was a. Uh was Ruby. I had Sapphire, so I would get a Lotad. I'd, I'd use Lotad sometimes, but I never knew how to evolve uh, uh, Lombre as a kid. Like, <laughs> I think it's a, a Waterstone, but I just never thought to do that. Right. But, uh, yeah, Ludicolo, I really came to appreciate him in Gen 5 with the animated sprites and him just dancing around. Just dancing around, yeah. It, it, and and uh, Pokemon Coliseum. Uh, which is a game apparently no one I know has played, <laughs> but Sorry, it's man. it's the console, uh, it's the GameCube Pokemon RPG other than XD. Uh, it was the first GameCube Pokemon RPG, and in that game is a character named Mirror B, who's this disco dude with a Pokeball afro and the best uh, theme music in any Pokemon game, and he his whole team is for Ludicolo. <laughs> and they just they literally oh, dance with great. him in and out of the battles and that fight is super hard because they have rain dish and swift swim and rain and rain dance and, and they're only weak to flying i think so right and, I mean, flying yeah. and like bug right yeah and bug and Which nobody has bug so there's slim pickings for pokemon types in coliseum so that fight was terrible but ludicolo <laughs> ludicolo made it all right yeah, definitely. Ludicolo sticking out to me is one of my favorites. Um, God, I I am entirely going off memory on this, so my um, certain Pokemon might mon might just come. To me. I really like um, Idol. He was always hanging out in fucking Rayquaza's tower the whole time. I felt like he always Clay- found like hi- yeah, Clay Claydol. Yeah, sorry, Claydol. Idol is a is a is a killer instinct boss. Uh, Clay- <laughs> Claydol, which is pretty similar origins, but yeah, he's always hanging out in like Rayquaza's tower. Just kind of, just kind of like being at super high level for no reason. But it's like, oh, you're grounded psychic. You're weak to like twelve different things, man. <laughs> you're gonna be XP fodder for a while. Yeah, I'm gonna grind on you before I take on my closet. <laughs> Still, we like the designs. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even think about double battles. Uh, this is a Pokemon oh, game right. from like a gameplay perspective, starting shaking things up in gameplay department. Um, you got double battles, which means you fought two trainers at the same time. Um, sometimes you had a had a uh, teammate. Sometimes you did not. In fact, I say most of the time you did not. Um, yeah. They even had a whole gym. Your seventh gym was based. It was a double battle. Yeah. And one of my favorite gyms because that gym, that just the puzzle was so just kind of a big deal when I was a kid. Like this, it was very complex. You know, mm-hmm. like at that point, I'm like, oh, I, I know the Lieutenant Surge like trick puzzle. Like I, I can do that in my sleep. So what? What? What more Pokemon got for me? And it's just damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the gym puzzle was harder than the gym fight itself. Though, exactly, because they just oh yeah, I'm really gonna have trouble with psychic and rock types. Yeah, but in Ruby and Sapphire they were a pushover because especially if you had Swampert, you had Surf, and like it's two rock types in a double <laughs> right. battle, like two Surfs. Even if their special defense is super high, you can at least take one of them out while your other teammate is poking at the other one. Right. And but then in Emerald. They buff that fight where they start with, I think, Claydol and Zatu. And that fight suddenly becomes a thousand times tougher because they set up, like, dual screens and they, like, <laughs> they, they they play a double battle. They right. do a double battle. And that's, like, your first taste of this is why double battles are so competitive. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much strategy behind them. It, it and, yeah. feels more like a, a tactics game, really, when you, when you have those two units control at the same time. Yeah, it, and the fact that here is where double battles were introduced, and that became the standard format for the next twenty years, 
like well, not 20 but 15 years like right right like, like it's been it's been standard for a long time and originally i'm just like ah eh, why can't it just be the one-on-one but i i agree that double really sets it up for more uh more chances to fuck up and more chances to like have brilliant tactics and strategy mm-hmm. um so I've, I've definitely warmed up to it uh, as of late since like gen 5 um god now i'm just having flashbacks to when i was like really into gen 4 and Previously in Gen 3, where I, I think it's where Gen 3 was where I first discovered, like, Maryland and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, man, I'm having some old, like, if you don't know, you can probably trace my online lineage of who I know and who I interacted with to Pokemon, like, <laughs> directly. Um, so having Maryland just be kind of that weird, like, thing at the time, it was a very rudimentary website, I remember. God, I remember when I was that age... Uh, and I had limited access to the computer. If I needed like a walkthrough or a guide or anything, I would sit there on like a GameVex or something and print out every single page. <laughs> and I and have it in a Revenge of the Sith binder, <laughs> if you can believe it. Just like the flaming Darth Vader head. And it's just like, oh, well, here's the locations of all that. Here's how to read Braille in Pokemon. Like here's... Which, oh, God, the Braille. Oh. Dumb fucking puzzle. I had the guide like day one, so I felt like such a, a, a cheater. Because I, because like, why? How am I gonna know what how this Braille thing works? At least Pokemon Movie Two Thousand had the courtesy to give me like an unknown translator card, or at least unknowns look like vaguely look like the shapes of letters. Yeah, I think I think the manual in the case for Ruby and Sapphire had a Braille alphabet in it. Of course they did. But as a kid, you're looking through the the manual and like, why is there a Braille alphabet in here? Oh well, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna proceed to lose the manual. Exactly. Exactly. Get to re- the Reggie caves and be like, oh. There's like 17 dots on a grid, and it's just like, oh, stand in the middle of the cave and press A. And it's like, it was Use escape rope dumb. and dig. I, oh, I remember. I remember vividly. So there's one part of the puzzle where you need a Wailord and a Relicanth. Which God, are like, I, yeah, they're not easy to get. Yeah, they're super hard to get. Like, finding the Relicanth was an ordeal. And I distinctly remember opening the, that specific cave at, like, my aunt's house at one night when we were at a family function and I was just sitting in the corner trying to do this. <laughs> that It's a really weird, specific memory. It, it's... But it's because it's such a weird, specific thing you have to do. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, Relicanth is, like, based on the, the ancient fish, the Coelacanths. And it's just... That's... The, that's when Pokemon designs started getting a bit more like nuanced and creative, I'd say. Like they had to really stretch what they were gonna make Pokemon into. Which, yeah. you know, good and bad, but there are a lot of really cool designs of Gen 3. Relicanth is awesome. Yeah. I feel like Gen 3, like I guess Gen 1 it felt it felt like animals in a world. But and Gen 2 was kinda Gen 2 kind of felt like the like stepchildren of gen one mm-hmm. where like like okay i get this this is an extension of what happened before and like a little more like it's still simplistic designs and still like very basic shapes right but with gen three like this feel this felt like you were on an island and these are island animals that adapted to the island and live here right like your camera ups and your waylords like Obviously, you're going to have a shit ton of water types in this world because there's so much water everywhere and you're going to run into more Wingles than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> Which, Wing- Pelipper, great Pokemon, I'll say. You know? Great yeah, it a- was. Great really HM good. slave that didn't just have to be the HM slave. Yep. Because God, if I don't remember flying around with Pelipper the most. Oh, speaking of gym walls that were really tough, I think Skyla also is that. Uh, Winona. 
or Skylar's Gen Five. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Correction. I, I gotta throw you a nickel every time you do this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, w- Swedra. Winona. Is that it? Yeah, Winona. Okay, Winona. Yes. Uh, she had like an Altaria or something that oh. if you don't kill in one movie, it's just Dragon Dance, and then it proceeds to wipe your team. Yeah, it has earthquake. I think. Er- yeah, it had. Er- God, it had earthquake. It's it a f- was. Ugh. Like you're just like, oh, I'm gonna set up my ice types, my and my rock types, and they're gonna shut this bitch down. And it's like, try again. Dragon dance. What's that? <laughs> yeah, like why? Why is this a thing? Oh, this is. <laughs> I think I might actually be worse than Norman, or at least comparable. Like no, it's, yeah. it's rough. I'd say top three hardest fights from my memory are. Winona is definitely number one, because uh, I, 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 she was, she was the only gym leader I lost to, consistently. Like I, I would never beat her on my first round. Like eventually I figured out how to do Norman, but I could never figure out Winona until I was like an adult. And then, uh, the third hardest fight I gotta say is the second rival battle, the one after Slateport, where uh, you, you meet yeah. them on that route, uh, after the Trick House. And I, I vaguely remember this, and I do remember the rival battle being pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least uh, with Mudkip, it was particularly tough because I I never used I don't think I ever used Wingle, so I never had a flying type. So to <laughs> deal with no no I I would use I sometimes use Taylor, and I would have a flying type to deal with Grovile, but Grovile would just be super fast and really strong, and kill my Taylor before I could do anything to it, and yeah. I'd be stuck. That was the thing is Grovile was so much faster than my team. I just lost and lost and lost and had to cheese that fight a thousand different ways just to get past it. God, yeah, that was the, it. It was a pretty tough one, I'd say. I don't know, like in, in terms of whenever I see uh, discussions raised about like, oh, we're gonna stream Pokemon game, like which one should we do? I, I wonder why. I, I Emerald seems to be the one that just pops up the most. Like, what is it about Emerald that really is uh, <clears throat> like makes it this great equalizer of Pokemon games? I mean, obviously being the third game kind of does it but i don't see crystal brought up as much i don't see platinum brought up as much like what maybe just because it's just rudimentary enough for a lot of emulators to handle it or something right yeah that's what i think it's a mixture of emulators can do it easy like i played like i own an emerald college Reds. i played it on an emulator all the time right. but uh uh there's that and also it's very much a it's a meaty self-contained pokemon game like mm-hmm. with gen 1 and 2 they have all this like they have the game boy jank like it's slow it doesn't have the the like the accessibility options that sort of get added to gen 3 right like just running and being able to use the box more easily and uh l equals a if something were to fuck up on your uh like buttons i remember that being the first time i i, I remember this is kind of tying in later, but when I first got Pokemon X, uh, I, my 3DS, my first 3DS got stolen. Uh, oh, this, oh this, right. This, this is a callback, if you will, but uh, my first 3DS got stolen. Um, and I used my friend's one that didn't have a working A button. So L equals A was a huge plus in my book back in those <laughs> days. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of accessibility options, is, and, and I can see a lot of. You know, like the 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 dash buttons and stuff, and like yeah, like turn... this is where running was introduced. Like right, they li- right. they literally had to create an item in the running shoes to make it like to give you a tutorial on no, no, you can move fast without the bike now. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then they have two kinds of bikes. Like they had a dash bike and like oh, an right. acrobatics bike. Yeah, they, they, had had certain, the they had certain routes that had puzzles that were, uh, well, I say puzzles, but they were, they're literally just routes you have to take with yeah. those bikes. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was uh, the mock and, mock and acro bike. And the acro and bike, yeah. The, the mock bike could go up those sandy slopes, while the acro bike you could balance on beams and bounce around. And like, what's a 10-year-old doing? Yeah, I was <laughs> say, doing, doing, like, doing like bike parkour. Yeah, <laughs> didn't make any sense. But I, I God, I hated those slopes because I'd always run into them. And I'm like, you mean I have to wait till like mid game till I get a mock bike to go up this one hill for a fucking hyper potion? Yeah, for like a hyper potion and a secret base uh, <laughs> hole. Oh God, hole secret bases! I yep. totally forgot about secret bases. I remember for some reason they didn't enrapture me as much as in uh, the remakes. But uh, I Emerald, I was all about secret bases, man. Get every little mat I could, making sure everything was a, a trap. Make sure anybody who would dare enter my uh, my secret base, you know, go through this like lengthy trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was a I was a lonely Pokemon playing kid, so I didn't have people to like share secret bases with. But uh, I guess I had my cousin. But it, it gets dull after a little bit, so I didn't get yeah. super into them. But what I did like was finding the different places, and every time I found a new one, I'd use secret power on it. Not really realizing it would get rid of my old one. Ooh, that's, that's I, rough. I mean, I never... I, like, would decorate it with, like, three things, and then I'd leave it and never use it again. So it, it, it was the discovery more than it was the use. Yeah, and I guess the more I think about it, the more it's just like, oh, it wasn't just, like, a lot of people. It was mainly, like, my sister. She always right. got the opposing... And this is their first Pokemon game that she got into, like, at all, because she was born in 98. You know, she's as old as the franchise is, so she was, like, six years old playing Pokemon. And right. was really into it because I was kind of guiding her along and showing her the way in a sort of way. Like, she got, I think she got Sapphire, I got Ruby. Or mm. one of the, you know, like, we both had those versions. So we were very into getting version-exclusive Pokemon and secret bases and stuff. I was in the contest for a hot minute, which Pokemon contests. Uh, oh, yeah. Was Another it? thing that they added. <laughs> Another, yeah, I, just, this game has so much going for it. I, I guess they added mini games like, that weren't the just the, like, game corner. Yeah, I, that's a good word for what those really were. Yeah. Because, like, they had the trick house, too, where it was, like, go in here and solve some puzzles and do some battling, and then you get an item at the end. Right, yeah. Whereas before, it's just like, I don't know, here's the here's the nugget challenge. Just fight five people in a row, and you'll win a nugget and fight yeah. a Team Rocket goon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, contest. I had a lot of fun with, like, maximizing beauty and stuff, and that was half the reason I was trying to get a uh, Milotic. Right. Uh, for so long, but Feebas was like the hardest Pokemon to find of all time, I swear. Yeah, you, to, I, I, you look at it like a grid, like you have to fish in this one square. Yeah, there were, in that one river on that route before uh, uh, Fortree City, it's four tiles on that whole river where you have to fish, and you have, I think, a 1% chance of catching a Feebas on those tiles. It takes forever. Yeah, and it's based on your trainer ID plus, I think, the hidden ID. So God. it's 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 you you can't figure it out unless you figure out those numbers and put them into a calculator online. Pretty much like that that was ridiculous how like this little dipshit took so long to get <laughs> and it's just like and getting him is really only your first surmounting battle like you have to maximize his beauty stat and it was yeah. it was it friendship or was it just a beauty stat? It and was it, just beauty, but the thing is, is if you gave him poke blocks that were shitty and like only raised his uh, beauty a little. You could possibly screw yourself out of it because they can only eat a certain amount of Pokeblocks before they can't eat any more. God, yeah, I totally forgot about that. I don't think I had that happen to me, but that definitely sounds like something I had to worry about min-maxing or, like, 
making sure that I don't give him the good stuff. Yeah. Only the best for the best boy, apparently. <laughs> and then God. in Gen 5, you can literally fish up a Milotic in some rippling water. After Gen 5 is like the apology tour for that shit, I swear. <laughs> I swear. God, I remember the like all the beauty stuff though. Like that was such a I, that was my first like one of the first Pokemon comics I saw was like this uh, uh, Feebas just shoving down like basically blue lipstick and having like, I'm so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Milotic is an awesome design Pokemon. Oh, great, yeah. great Pokemon. I would definitely want like if it wasn't so hard to get a Feebas, I'd try and make like an Insta lock for like a Pokemon team. Yeah. Um, and I think. Wallace had a Milotic, right? In, in all the versions? Uh, I'm, yeah, he had an his gym battle. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it was like a signature Pokemon or something. No, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. Because he, uh, he had a Kingdra as well, I thought. Was that maybe in, only an Emerald? I, I think Juan had the Kingdra. That's that, one, that, that was one right. signature Pokemon. So he was he was uh, aping uh, Claire's style. Yeah, but say, yeah, it's ripping off Claire wholesale, but oh, it's not a dragon type, it's a water type. <laughs> but uh which man they need more dragon water types let me tell you um because oh, yeah. it's ham and palkia pretty much <laughs> um but yeah there's a lot in emerald that i remember like just added that extra layer of replayability and playing it over and over again we haven't even we haven't even mentioned the battle frontier oh yeah like that that, that is just a okay. massive it's like an expansion's worth of stuff to do and, yeah and, like we, oh go ahead well it's just that like Going, this is the biggest jump content-wise between like root, like the first versions and the third version, right? Because uh, Crystal added new story stuff, and I think the Battle Tower, and yep. like more legendaries to catch and all that. But Emerald literally added a, a whole new island with six facilities full of these battle challenges to get silver medals and gold medals and fight new bosses with new music and a new character in Scott who like recruited you and would show up at random right, points and be hey, like hey you got this you got the right stuff <laughs> you got the stuff kid here's my number okay yeah, pretty much pretty much get you to this like resort island that's all just full of like abstract Pokemon fighting for the most part yeah I remember the battle pyramid the most just because I think the guy had a Registeel and I'm like what the fuck I thought really <laughs> one of these in the game oh yeah like when when you fight those uh frontier brains and you realize oh these guys have legendaries <laughs> right was... i'm just like this isn't fair <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fair they're mine right I, there's only one in the game and they're mine um <laughs> but yeah like such a massive expanse that i i feel like they reel back after that because they just realize like we can't do this every game and every game every i feel like once a generation we have this big talk about how uh maybe they'll finally bring back the battle frontier which yeah. came to a head when in a big movie on Sapphire, where you go to where it's supposed to be, and you see like a scale model of the Battle Tower, and it's like Battle Frontier coming soon, and I'm like, this is the this is the this is the worst. And originally, I'm like, oh, they're gonna do DLC for Pokemon. It's gonna be this great thing. I'm like, you know, you get a year in, and they announce yeah. uh, Gen Seven, and it's just like, oh, this fucking sucks ass. Yeah, I remember just going so. Gen 4 had also had a Battle Frontier, and they had their own battle Frontier brains and everything, which is what probably made people think, oh, Gen 5 will have it, Gen 6 will have it. Gen 5 at least had the World Tournament, which was like a cavalcade of every major uh, trainer, which it's the, was great. It's the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate of Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. and uh, But then Gen 6 didn't have that, had the Battle Maison, which was like, okay, there are these new characters, but it's still just, it's pretty much the 
what was the most basic one? The Battle Fact? No, it was, I think it was the Battle Tower. I mean, Battle Subway, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I had the Battle Subway, too. But Which again, just it's just like... Tower. Yeah, they just had sequential battles to unlock stuff. And at least, like, Gen 6 had the Shat Lanes, which were, like, they had good designs, I guess. And then Oras just literally copy and pasted the Battle Maison onto the Battle Resort. And uh, it was the exact had, same, exact same, like, to a pixel. Like, every model it, it's was... Like, it literally, I think you read the sign that says, this place is a replica of a famous location in Kalos. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> that was, it was so terrible. I, uh, I can't I can't overstate that enough. Because, and, like, Battle Frontier's uh, been this thing that they, they established, and it's like, it's going to be this thing, it's going to be in every single one, or, like, it's yeah. it's the peak of Pokemon post-game, and it's just a fucking... Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a replica of this thing that was in the last game. Like, we couldn't, we couldn't uh, be bothered, or it, it was too hard. <sighs> Yeah, their their excuse for it is, oh, no one wants. The only people who want that are people who care about competitive stuff. And it's like, yeah, there are people who care about competitive stuff who play your video game. Give but them also, stuff. But also, like, it's do. not. I don't know. Fucking VGC players really cared about the Battle Frontier all that yeah. much. It, it, yeah, it's also sort of like circuitous reasoning where it's like, oh, they don't want it, so we're not going to give it to them because they don't want it, and uh... they won't. But they they won't know about it if they don't. Because like, I didn't know I wanted the Battle Frontier as a kid, but then I played it forever. And right. then, but their their worst, absolute worst tease. My one of my favorite characters, design wise, is Pike Queen Lucy from uh, from the Battle Frontier. She like lives like in a, a Surviper and looks like a Surviper and is radical. And in <laughs> in the Battle Maison, there's this guy. There's this like men oh, in no. black ass guy in the back. You talk to him, and all he says is "Scouting for Pike Queen completed." And I, I read that and. I wanted to just throw my game across the room because it <laughs> it was the worst tease. And then in in Ultra Sun and Moon, there's a book in the Game Freak offices, I think, that if you read it, it mentions the Battle Pyramid, and it's like, fuck you guys, Dude, fuck you so I, much. I I I wouldn't put it past Game Freak because after I saw the fucking island totem thing and Gen Seven just be like, <laughs> be tourist tchotchke, After yeah. that, I wouldn't put anything back past them, just, but just fucking with us at some point. Like, God, yeah. all this shit about. The Battle Frontier that you just keep teasing. <laughs> it is it, infuriating. Do something, for God's sakes. <sighs> um, but uh, we actually haven't really gotten to the main conflict of the game, which is um, either if you're in Sapphire, obviously it's Team Aqua, Ruby Team Magma, or Emerald, kind of both. Yeah. Um, and that is the central conflict of the game, is that uh, Team Magma wants to expand the land masses and have land take over the world something along those lines like just have nothing but land you know uh and team aqua which you know they're in hoenn i feel like they they should be happy with what they fucking got you know but uh <laughs> team aqua's like nah man we want to flood the world like we we're going noah's we're going noah's ark up in here um and that's the main thing it's just like both teams are in both games which i thought was interesting um at yeah. the time that uh in matt and ruby uh, Aqua is more of like a, a rival to you, protagonist, like kind of helping you out. Um, yeah. And it's the opposite for the other game, obviously. Um, and then in Emerald, they're both kind of just antagonists towards you, um, but just like not as cartoonishly evil, I guess. Um, <laughs> they both, you know, they both kind of get their ways in whatever, like, kind of fucked up way that means. I remember Emerald does have like flooding in some regions and droughts in others, isn't it? Like, oh, yeah, it's uh, when. When that big, like when Kyogre and Groudon are released at the end of the game, uh, 
the weather switches between intense sunlight and intense rain, which was a really cool effect. Yeah, because it was like raining but super bright. Uh, and, yeah, it, and, and you were on like a shoreline, and like it, it did look really cool and really intense. Yeah, th- they would just sort of like increase the saturation super high when it was sunny, <laughs> and then it'd be super dark when it was raining, and just that sort of contrast was again something they couldn't really have done on the Game Boy Color. So it's like they're really taking advantage of the cinematic opportunities. Yeah, that's as totally far as fair. you can with a 16-bit handheld. God, I I really like the designs of Groudon and Kyogre as well. Oh yeah. Um, I guess this is just from the Pokemon Go effect. The most recent region they introduced was Hoenn Pokemon. Um, so I've seen a lot of Groudon, uh, Groudons, a lot, lot, as in I see them everywhere, Kyogres. Because um, <laughs> there's also this water festival going on in that uh, game right now. But um, those designs are so great, man. Like all the, like, it, they're forces of nature. This is where legendary Pokemon stop being like, um, it, sort of let's just say the power level gets a big you know big boost you know it you go from birds who are you know i guess can resurrect the dead you know it, it's it is pretty uh silly in terms of like how powerful it actually is um but literally Gargan and kyogre are like borderline deities right yeah they're they're literally like the avatars of the earth and sea right and then Rayquaza is the avatar of the sky, and it's just like, uh, this is, you know, you start, not, I wouldn't say jumping the shark, because I think it's a really cool how that sort of scaled. If you just go from Gen 1 to Gen 4 of how legendary Pokemon really progress, yeah. um, I think it's pretty cool. And it's still just grounded enough huh, to, um, <laughs> to have this really cool, like, Pokemon's always kind of been avatars for nature, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. Even, even like, Lugia and Ho was, they were they were a little bit land and sea, I guess, right? Um, yeah. Or Lugia was, I, I think I just mainly associate Lugia with the sea because you find them in the Whirlpool Islands. But there's nothing directly aqua- in the movie. The movie, yeah, definitely, the, the movie is the biggest influence with my thoughts on Lugia. Exactly, it just ha- has this like. Imagine if Patrick Stewart had an American accent. Like <laughs> that's the that's the voice he had. Um, but it's. Definitely, that's what associates my water fixation with Lugia. But, um, and also water, fire, ho, Lugia, rivalry kind of thing, whatever. Yeah. But um, I really liked the direction they went with uh, legendaries in Gen 3. And this is the this is when they start having a crap ton of legendaries. Uh, Gen 4 is when it really explodes, and there's literally, like, I think 20 in <laughs> Gen 4. Yeah, it is horrible. <laughs> But this is the first time there's two trios, at least, in Pokemon. You have the Regis, who I actually really like. I, the Regis are great. They, like, from a type... like Their types are very deliberate and very interesting. That they're all weak to fighting, yet uh, Registeel has dominion over Regirock and Regice because he's the super effective type against those two. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool that like he's like the de facto leader because of that. Even when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, Registeel's strong against Regice. And Reg- that's interesting. And they're all weak to fighting. And they kept that motif for Regigigas, but Regigigas uh, does not have that superiority over Registeel. So I still consider Registeel the leader. I just consider Regigigas <laughs> like like the old guard, the goof. Like, he might have created them, but, I mean, Registeel is still the, the guy in charge. Yeah, Registeel is possibly my favorite legendary. He's he's high up there. Like, I, I just love his design. He's like an orb with... He's very, he's very like amorphous, which I'm into. Yeah, 
like a lot of rounded edges, which is very he good looks for... he looks kind of alien like I'll say. Yeah. Like more than Regis and Regirock, who will again kind of have a bit of a force of nature about them. Mm. Like Reg Registeel looks like straight up alien. Excuse me, straight up alien. Um, yeah. And we mentioned the Braille earlier. It was a little convoluted, overly about how they wanted to catch these Pokemon. I like dive puzzles and the like, but you know, some of these weren't even that. Some of these are like just go to this big rock in the desert and then stand in the middle of the room and fly. Yeah. Uh, and you had to like read literal Braille, which <laughs> the decision for Braille seems weird because they're raised bumps so blind people can read. Yeah. Uh, and having that in a digital screen video game is just like okay, you just you guys kind of just wanted a descriptive language, didn't you? Yeah, I guess their whole thing was like, oh, the Reggies have those dots for eyes, so we're going to make their language dots. I, yeah, I guess that's pretty cool when I think about it that way. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, but you also had Latios and Latias as the uh, duo, um, the version-exclusive duos that roamed around. I always thought Latios looked way cooler to me, just because he had that a more sleek design and just always had that, that, that weird that angry face. And Latias always had like that cute little... <laughs> Stop forgetting that in that movie, Latias does ha does kind of flirt with Ash, and that's that's oh some, yeah, that's and something. Ash, <laughs> Ash kisses a Pokemon. Yeah, pretty much. So confirmed. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. I always I had Sapphire because I liked Kyogre better, but I was always upset that at the end of the game I got Latias. I'm like, wait, but I got the blue game. I want to get the blue oh, one. The blue one, yeah, <laughs> just for like just kind of like symmetry or something, I guess. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's... Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's just that it's cool in Emerald, where instead of ha being railroaded into one, your mom is like, oh, there was a news report, I missed it. What color was the Pokemon that they showed? And you say <laughs> red, and then you can encounter Latias, and you say blue, you can get her. That's Latias. clever. And they were the wandering Pokemon of the gym, right? Yeah, yeah. They would fly or run away. I always... In, they always seem like they weren't as much of dicks as the uh, legendary dogs from Gen 2. <sighs> Those yeah. guys were notorious. I try to put you put them to sleep and they still run away. Like, mm -hmm. oh, that shit was the worst. But Latios and Latias seemed a little bit more um, toned down in that regard. Yeah. Um, the, the, the benefit with them was that there was one of them, so you could use your master ball on one of them, and then you were done. Right. Like, you didn't. You didn't have to like the chasing was half the fun. So as a kid, I'd like I'd use my master ball on like Rayquaza or something, and then mm -hmm. I'd actually chase the Lottie, but. Yeah. Right. That would be that'd be pretty great. And this is the first um this is the first Pokemon game in America where I think uh well let's just call it DLC because that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> DLC became a more a bigger deal. Uh it started being uh, railroaded into the game in the form of Deoxys, another legendary Pokemon that is straight up just an alien. Yep. He is quite literally just an alien life form who I guess is just under the parameters of what we call Pokemon, is a Pokemon. He yeah, goes he, in the Pokeballs. He, he goes in the Pokeball. That's that's all that matters. It has this intense rivalry with um, with Rayquaza, just because Rayquaza's like, yo, this is my domain. The hell are you yeah. doing here? Uh, yeah, because is a protector of the sky, and Deoxys fell from the sky. Fell from the sky, and he's like, whoa, things don't fall into me. What are you doing here? <laughs> um, God, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I like Deoxys. I think... By Emerald, they gave him like a weird optimal form, uh, like. I think it was fi speed? fire red and leaf green were the. Oh wait, no, no. I think each game had like different forms available to it. Yeah. Th yeah. So 
I, I'm pretty sure in Ruby and Sapphire it didn't have any different forms, but it, right, Emerald, yeah, Emerald it got it got it, and then I think Fire and Leaf Green might have been like attack def. I can't quite remember. Yeah, it was I, I remember like speed being like clearly the best or something. Yeah, because it. it, it it, it it just went before everything, and I think its attack was still pretty high. Its attack was almost as high as attack form, which is yeah. kind of bonkers. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Deoxys defense, really, really, really good defense. But oh, yeah. You could kind of find similar roles in all of the Pokemon at the time. Uh, Deoxys is super fucking fast. Yeah. For sure. And yeah, actually, now when I sit back and look at all these, uh, there were a lot of legendaries in this game, because we didn't even talk about Jirachi. You know? Like, oh, right, yeah. It was just this star being the, the Mew, the cute baby legendary of the game. Mm -hmm. um, got its own movie, obviously, and, like, there's not really too much to say about uh, uh, Jirachi. Doesn't doesn't Jirachi have its own move? Uh, I know it, it was able to learn Draco Meteor from a giveaway in Gen 5. Oh, I don't God. know if it has... Oh, oh, it does. It has a... It's some... It's I think it's sort of like Future Sight, but it's Steel-type or something like that. That yeah, checks uh, out. But, uh, so the thing with Jirachi is to get it in America, at least, in Gen 3, if you pre-ordered Pokemon Coliseum, you'd get a disc that I think was pretty much an infinite Jirachi. You could always send it to a game. Like, that's how Jirachi could get spread around is because that was, like, those discs go for a lot now because it's literally, like, a distribution card. It's like, kind of, is it still the only way to really get Jirachi outside of, like, a GameStop event or something? Uh, some yeah, I think that recent mythical event was the first time you could get Jirachi after that. In a well, long time. Th and the GameStop event where it had Draco Meteor. I think that was the only two times. Uh, but uh, I think here's I the thing. I think I found the movie you're talking. About. Oh, you go ahead first though. Well, yeah, I like I said, I'm I played Coliseum. I remember going to a Walmart as a kid and asking if Pokemon Coliseum was available, and they're like, Oh no, but you can pre-order it. And I didn't know what pre-ordering was as a kid. So I was like, what, I'm going to give you money and not get the game? No. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't pre-order it, and I never got the Jirachi disc because I got it later. Ooh. So that is that is a childhood regret. That does stink. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, called Doom Desire, which is Desire. basically steel future sight, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently it, uh, damage is dealt using the attack stat of Jirachi. And defense that of the target at the same time, during the same hmm. turn. If the target switches out before it happens, uh, the attack will hit its replacement. But the damage is still based on that original Pokemon. So actually, in terms of coding, I bet this thing was a huge pain. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, it's like Future Sight, but a bit more nuanced, I guess. I'm not sure. Like it, Jirachi, because it was so rare, I just, I just never got a Jirachi. So it was just really hard for me to get that much attachment for it. Unlike... What was it? Uh, Gen 5's one? Uh, Vivi something? Um, uh, Victini. Victini. Everybody had a Victini, I thought, right? Like it was just Yeah, a... because it, if you got it at launch, the game case came with a card that let you go to uh, Liberty Island and get Victini. Which is the nail in the coffin, I think, for Inborn. Why I didn't choose a Fire-type starter? <laughs> it's just like, I'm going to get this really cool legendary one. Why would I not choose him? You know? Yep. Um... But yeah, so that, that runs out of like a lot of the legendaries. Um, very strong generation for legendaries. Uh, and like I said, Gen 4 only goes further with the amount of legendaries you've got. I think there's three trios in uh, Gen 4, if you count like yeah. the Lake, Lake Spirits, the, the cover games, and then like, I guess Arsus, Shaman, and 
Darkrai are their own, own ones. I guess. Well, there there are more. There are duos. There's Darkrai and Cresselia. Cresselia, shit, yeah. yeah. And then there's I guess Heatran. There's Heatran. Heatran. Heatran's just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, Heatran's just there under the ground. Uh, <laughs> In a volcano, a volcano monster. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's so many. Le- there's so many legendary Pokemon, man. This it's. <laughs> And yeah, I for, I the fact that I totally forgot about Cresselia kind of speaks to that. <laughs> and I guess I got Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I just I wanted to brag that I got a shiny Cresselia in uh, of course uh, you Ultra did. Sun, Ultra Moon. <laughs> really? Oh, in, in one was, of those portal battles. Yeah, it was the last legendary I needed out of those portals, and it was shiny. And I I like I almost <laughs> I, I freaked out a little bit because I <laughs> I was not expecting to get a shiny Cresselia. Drop the 3ds into your toilet and ruin it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gen 3 has that perfect hotspot of like, there's a lot of legendaries, but also a lot of them were kind of in like post-game events, you know? Mm-hmm. Celebi kind of was like that, uh, if I recall correctly, but by the time like Celebi stuff started ramping up, I kind of lost interest in Crystal, you know? Like I, mm-hmm. I, just to timestamp this, I'm pretty sure I just got a PS2 at that time. So my, my time was occupied elsewhere, you know? What's a, what's a seven-year-old, eight-year-old to do when he has Jack and Daxter in front of him next to, like, a Pokemon Crystal. I'm going to play Jack and Daxter. <laughs> also, funny enough, I associate Ruby and Sapphire with the non-backlit GBA screen. And I associate Emerald oh. with the backlit GBA screen. That is, a, that is that is a world of difference that... Let me just get my old man... Uh, put my old man hat on. Kids today will not understand. Yeah, like, a, a, needing... Oh my god, that GBA! I'm pretty sure I had one of those shitty like fold over lights. Oh, uh, everybody has those stories of like yeah. you, you couldn't, you didn't have backlit screens because at that time you had to have to go through twelve AA batteries in six hours. Yeah, because uh, Game Gear did have a backlit screen, but at the cost of completely getting shit all from uh, Game Boy sales. Mm-hmm. But um, in 2003, when the GBA was out and Pokemon came out. Still no backlit screen. You had to get one of those shitty fucking lights that just... You couldn't see any fucking colors and just did not do the game's uh, vibrance justice. And by the time Emerald came out, it felt like two, those two years made a world of difference because also uh, the DS was, in fact, out when Emerald came out. Um, I feel like Emerald and like Minish Cap were the big last hurrah for GBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a hell of a way to go out, but I associate Emerald with backlit screens and having... A different game in my DS slot. I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> Super Mario 64 DS. Yeah, uh, that was a lot of people's first DS game. I feel like because because there wasn't much else for a long time. <laughs> yeah. For DS until 2006, felt like you were playing the beta of the Nintendo DS. To be honest. <laughs> and then it, it continued with the 3DS. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. And it all culminated in like having a Mario game kickstart kick stuff uh, into gear with 3DS. I remember 3D Land was like the first big 3DS game. I remember like getting. And there's Ocarina 3D, but it was a remake, you know. Mm-hmm. And everybody was all pissed off that there were save files on Mercenaries 3D, and it's like, you guys really don't know what Mercenaries is, do you? Like, it's, <laughs> it's an arcade shooter. But point being, uh, the technical limitations of the original GBA definitely kind of sullied a little bit of my memory of Ruby and Sapphire, and I think that's why a lot of my default memories just go right to Emerald, because that's when I was playing it the most and when I had it most readily available. Yeah, and my... No, I think my most vivid uh, Ruby Sapphire memory is my cousin kind of, I'd say convincing, but maybe more forcing me to let him delete my save file. So uh, one of those coercions that you don't think, uh, like you think that you're consenting to, but you're not. 
Yeah, because he, he, he played, I let it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna let you play a bit. You can pick your Torchic and play with Torchic, and like, he got through like the second gym, and then he was like, dude, I can't just get this far and not save, you gotta let me save. And Ooh. he got rid of my, like, I, I don't oh. remember what my original game was because he deleted it. <laughs> Damn, that is dark. Yeah, but then Emerald happened, and uh, all, all, all's well that ends well. Yeah, pretty and much. He he got his own Pokemon story. I think those are really his only Pokemon stories because he played Crystal with me, but I think Emerald or uh, Sapphire he actually played a lot. He he like named his tor his Torchic matches, and I think he solo ran the game. He had like a Blaziken by the third gym. <laughs> God yeah, so. yeah yeah yeah. And I I definitely still have those horror stories of uh, shit going south with Pokemon saves, but. Mm. Um, God, any I'm I'm trying to think if we missed anything big for Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, like we hit we hit um all the legendaries. We kind of went through contests and like beauty stats and Battle Frontier. The music's all trumpets. That's a big meme. There's <laughs> yes, a lot of also. a lot of, a lot of uh, sub SNES sounding trumpets. Mm -hmm. The the GBA was great for many reasons, but its sound chip was definitely not one of them. Yeah. So uh, I, is that what you're trying to allude to with the with the trumpets? Yes, there's a lot of tr the uh, man, but uh, I I will say despite that the music is so good. <laughs> like it is good music. It, I think the, like, the trumpet memes kind of undersell it. It's yeah. they're they're really good songs. Like yeah, the the, the, the Reggie Duford the Reggie ballad. battle theme. Oh, the Reggie ballad. Yeah. Like just how alien they got it, and then the Deoxys battle team theme didn't show up until Fire Red and Leaf Green, but it's the same sound font. So it's really good. I love. Really the Reggie theme might be one of my favorites, actually. Yeah. Um, and I did like the um, Maxi Archie battle uh, boss oh, music. Oh yeah. But when, but that was completely and utterly replaced and blown away by Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire's yeah. Archie Maxi battle theme because it starts out kind of the same. And you're just like, okay, it's just like a slight upgrade. And then they just all the all the horns turn Super <laughs> Saiyan and then blow out your fucking 3DS speakers, and it's just like this is fucking awesome. <laughs> Your your glasses fly off and your hair your, gets your blown hair up. blows back. You have fucking like, Daffy Duck beak behind you. <laughs> you're in an you're in an eighties uh, Super Nintendo Whoa! commercial. <laughs> your your mom's about to crash in a fucking uh, a racing game. Like it, <laughs> that it was. It's really like there's some really good themes. Like, I I like the weird serenity that Do Ford Town has. Oh the, yeah! This fucking surfing dude, bro, just runs the place. So I'm surprised it's so peaceful. Uh, <laughs> nobody likes Brawly. I'm sorry, and, and I just now you start making me think of Brawly, and he'd be a great gym leader. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah great, yeah. great music overall. I'll say it'll be a nice soundtrack to over an underlay on this podcast. But yeah. it, it, I have to, uh, I have to ha lay down my authority and say that I have to have the Archie Maxi uh, remix theme be my, the outro on this one. I, I will totally acquiesce that. At least try and fit in the Reggie theme at some point in the background. Oh yeah, that's a really good one too. Yeah, it's yeah. Like maybe the, when we're talking about the Reggie. The Reggie the Reggie theme was actually. Um, I don't think it's as memorable in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. I think the weird alienness is a little lost. I think they really hit it on the on the GBA. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, uh, and I think I honestly think the Reggie theme is the most remixed. Legendary theme because they showed up. It was remixed in Gen Four. It was remixed in Gen Five. It was not. I don't think it was. It was remixed in Gen Six with Oras. Right. And Gen Seven, they just play the Reggie theme from. Yeah, from Oras, right? But uh, 
Or no, no, it was from Gen 3 because that's their conceit in Gen 7 is that they're from that dimension or that timeline. Yeah. Man, me and Bibbs could do a timeline uh, super special of Grind Forever, like a spinoff show or something for sure. Like yeah. Because it even ties into Ruby and Sapphire because the the Battle Frontier brain for the Battle Tower. Um, oh, right. Whoever had a crush on Ash who, that he didn't have, uh, was aware of. Uh, yeah. Abbott, Abel, Annabelle? Annabelle. 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 That version of Annabelle from Gen 3 uh, plops into uh, the world of Gen 7, and the only way you really know for sure is because it plays the music from the old games and not the remakes. Yeah. Like, that's that that moment really cool touch. Yeah, it is. It's so great. Because, like, that's something you can really only uh, sort of do in video games because even, even, like, just playing a character's theme, you know, like, that doesn't, in, in like a movie or a, a TV show, like a returning character on a TV show, doesn't really sell it as well. But having that old-ass music, man, that just completely, that in one, you know, second of a frame of a note or whatever, I'm just like, oh shit, this is, this is like the original. Like, because <laughs> that's Pokemon, that's like post-game, late Pokemon thing now is that it's a parallel dimension. I'm... Whatever Gen 8 turns into next year, I'm curious what happens uh, yeah. <clears throat> that front. It's a third universe where Link loses. <laughs> and, it, and it somehow devolves into a Pokemon universe. I really hope there needs to be a timeline where it's just like, instead of instead of flipping the switch, like, uh, what's the guy's name? The giant dude? Uh, AZ. A- AZ, uh, AZ just like trips on a rock and dies on accident. <laughs> And that's and that creates its own timeline ripple. Yeah. The I weapon so. is there but has never been fired, so it's like a <laughs> right. nuke just waiting to go off. And it, now it, we're in Metal Gear. I'm about to say now we're in like Fallout Three, <laughs> where everybody made a town around this nuke. Um, but uh, yeah, any any kind of uh, closing thoughts for Gen Three? Do you think like I alluded to it earlier? But do you think it's like a really good one to start with? Like Emerald, just kind of drop into it. Yeah, for sure. Emerald is, it's its own self-contained thing. It has no, like, Gen 2, like, has the baggage of you're fighting Team Rocket again. Like, right. this is something I forgot to bring up was, like, this is the first time the villains aren't Team Rocket. They're, no, they're not. This, this started the trope of Team X is the villain. And and it, it, and it also started the trope of Team X wants to use the box legendary to fulfill their goal. Exactly. Because, like, yeah. Team Rocket never really wanted to fuck with Lugia or Ho at all. Because they're just a bunch of goons, like, hijacking casinos, you know? like yeah. and, and radio frequencies. They're not going to mess with this thing that res- resurrects the dead. Yeah, but the, the closest they got to that was Mewtwo. But that was literally, like, this is our top secret scientist trying to build a weapon. Right. It's not, it was like, more of a weapon than a force to... of nature. Yeah, it's not us trying to control a god to exactly. fulfill our desires or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's the first one I'd go to. And, like, if me and Trav ever end up doing, like, Pokemon stuff, I'd probably lean more towards going Emerald. Because mm-hmm. while it is hard in a lot of spots, uh, there are hard Pokemon games out there. Play Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, and try not to faint out at least once. Because that game is... That game is yeah. actually... I think Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon is actually really tough. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I give Ultra Sun Ultra Moon a lot of flack for the story, but what they did with the game was really good and also damn that Ultra Necrozma fight. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot in that game. I, I think it does deserve the flack for being as much of a retread as it is. Even though I like some of the um changes they made to like the island challenges or whatever. Cause like they had the they had what's that little raccoon uh puffball Pokemon guy? Like he was 
uh, what's his fucking name? Uh, he's like the Pikachu surrogate, you know, the little cute. Oh, type. Togedemaru. Toge <laughs> God. <laughs> Bibs and pars, everybody. Uh, the, like instead of like a volt, a giant. Uh, like, I'm so fucking bad these names. God, a giant. Instead of a giant Vicavolt charge again, like he takes the brunt of the blast, uh, yeah. or like the giant one takes the brunt of the blast. Like they made small, little, subtle changes to that. I thought were cute. Yeah. But I get that nobody else would really give a shit, but you and me. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 we ever get to an Ultra Sun Ultra Moon episode, I can talk for six hours about how they did the story bad, how they did the new stuff good, and how they could have done it better. <laughs> I'm writing this down for when probably uh, like uh, the Gen One or no, we could probably whenever uh, let's go Eevee, let's go Pikachu come out, like that could just be a contemporary one. But I am making a note of that, Bibs, for sure. <laughs> We've not done a Gen Seven recap, and I think going forward we're gonna just if. If it, we're talking about Gen 7, we could probably split it up into Sun and Moon and then Ultra Sun Ultra Moon because there's enough differences to talk about for its own episode. Yeah, um, I mean, just even on this podcast, we talked about Sun and Moon before it came out forever. So I feel exactly, like we, it, exactly. it needs its own episode. Exactly. And I think me and Trav are a bit, uh, we're a bit uh, too hasty to lump Black and White and Black and White 2 together in one episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of shot our load there. But um, if you want to listen to more RPG shenaniganery from... Uh, Myself and guests uh, go to pnbcast.com. Go to uh, patreon.com slash pnb. Uh, we are funded completely by the lovely patrons over at patreon.com slash pnb, such as Mr. Bibbs here. Uh, he was one of the first, and he... I mean, I was going to invite him on anyway, but him just kind of ticking our little $3 moniker for three months, uh, he got to be a guest on this very show. Um, and he's been waiting to cash that in, and I've you know called upon him in my time of need, Bibbs Aparas. I guarantee you no other guest would have told me about Vicavolt. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Of course, my talk, pleasure. Talk shop about, uh, about one of my favorites, I'll say. One of my favorite uh, Pokemon games. Same here. <clears throat> so, uh, you can find Bibbs on Twitter at OriginalMrBibbs if you want more Pokemon and uh, Super Smash Brothers shitposting. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter for my correct Ridley opinions at Tierney. You can uh, follow the podcast on Twitter for all its updates at PNBCast. Um, and I think it's going to do it. As I said before, we're going out with a nice, solid remix of Archie and Maxi's theme from Omega Ruby F Sapphire. Um, and for Bibs and myself, have a good one. See ya. See ya.